0: It's verses 7 through to 23. So that's Luke chapter 22, starting from verse 7. Luke chapter 22, starting at verse 7. Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat it. They said unto him, Woe, would you have us to prepare it? And he said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters, and tell the master of the house, The teacher says to you, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room, furnished. Prepare it there. And they went and found it just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, he reclined at the table, at table, and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another, which of them it could be who was going to do this. Well, so reads God's word. It may be a blessing to us a little later on as Hugh comes to speak. We're going to sing another hymn now. There is a Redeemer, Jesus, God's own son. And during the singing of the hymn or the Sunday School
1: Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that you would give to us the grace now. So as not to refuse the one who is speaking to us. We pray, Lord, that no one here would harden their heart against you. We pray instead, Lord, that you would open our hearts. And that the entrance of your word would bring light. And that, Father, your word would make us wise unto salvation. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. I mentioned in December last year that I am a sucker for a Christmas sermon series. Christmas isn't Christmas for me until I hear or read a signature Christmas text like Luke chapter 2 verse 10 to 11. Fear not. For behold I bring you good news. Of great joy. That will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day. In the city of David. A savior. Who is Christ the Lord. But the point of Christmas. Is Easter. The events of Good Friday and Easter Sunday tell us exactly what the good news of great joy is. And so since we have four Sundays before the Easter weekend, I thought it would be good for us to take four Sundays, four weeks to think about the cross. Luke, the the gospel writer, is going to be taking us from the hand and leading us to Golgotha the place where Jesus died but the church calendar uh, isn't the only reason for this series uh, the apostle paul wrote in 2 corinthians 3:18 and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory To another. And I would argue that the glory of the Lord shines brightest at the cross of Jesus Christ. There we see the glory of God's holiness. There we see the glory of God's justice. There we see the glory of God's love and the glory of God's grace written upon Jesus' bloodied face. And so, friend, if you want to be transformed, if you want to be transformed from one degree of glory to another, then you need to come with me to the cross of Calvary. We're going to be in Luke chapter 22, 7 to 23 today, as you heard from our reading. And the point of our passage is that Jesus fulfilled the Passover. Jesus fulfilled the Passover. That, in other words, the cross was no tragic accident. The cross was no devastating defeat. No, rather the cross was the fulfillment of God's redemption plan. You may have heard uh, this week about the, the Welshman who was found. His body was found in his boat on the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, he had raised money for charity he raised money to sail across the atlantic ocean but he was overtaken by forces outside of his control and very very sadly many view jesus death in the same way a, a noble man with noble aims who was overtaken by forces outside of his control the muscle of rome the ri- the religious establishment of Jerusalem. But as we come to Luke 22 today, we see right from the outset of our passage that nothing could have been further from the truth. We see that Jesus was in total control of the events surrounding his death because, again, his death on the cross was the fulfillment of God's redemption plan. Just go back to Luke 22 and look at verses 7 to 13. Luke writes Then came the day of unleavened bread where I may eat the Passover with my disciples. And he will show you a large upper room furnished, prepare it there. And they went and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. Now, whether that was a simple prearrangement on Jesus' part, or whether that was a, a demonstration of Jesus' omniscience, we can't really know. But what we can know is that Jesus knew. And that Jesus was evidently in control of everything, of all events that were going on. And then look at the last three verses of our passage today. Luke 22, uh, 21 and 23, Jesus said, "'But behold, the hand of him who betrays me "'is with me on the table, for the Son of Man goes,' "'listen to this, as it has been determined.'" But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another which of them it could be who was going to do this. And you see that our passage then is sandwiched, it is bookended. Between two statements or two demonstrations of God's absolute sovereign control over all of these events. Because again, Jesus' death on the cross was no accident, no tragic defeat. But rather the fulfillment of God's plan of redemption. Jesus was born to die. And the point of Christmas is Easter. And again, we're going to see that today, that Jesus fulfilled The Passover, that is God's redemption plan. And Jesus is going to tell us, as we huddle with the disciples in this borrowed upper room, what that means for us. It means, number one, a new exodus. And it means, number two, a new covenant. So, number one, a new exodus. Look at verse 14 and 18 again. And when the hour came, he, Jesus, reclined until the kingdom of god comes now friends do not miss the opening words of verse 14 when the hour came in verse 1 of this chapter luke wrote now the feast of unleavened bread drew near in verse 7 he wrote then came the day of unleavened bread but here in verse 14 when the hour came do you see lucas has moved from a wide angle lens to a narrow focus to a pinpoint laser aim why Well, so as to say to us look at this now don't miss this pay attention to this this is huge and it was huge It was huge because it was in this moment that Jesus placed himself at the center of the Passover meal. And in so doing, promised us a new exodus. That is, a new deliverance, a greater exit from our greatest and most fierce enemies. Twice in the verses I just read, in verse 16 and 18, Jesus referred to a Passover meal that is to come. A Passover meal that Jesus will celebrate with us. A Passover meal that Jesus will eat with us in the kingdom of God. That is, in heaven itself. Why? Because in the kingdom of God, we will not just be delivered from the power of sin and death, as we are as believers here today, but from the very presence of sin and death to the deliverance. The exodus will be final. Why? Because Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. Uh, You remember when the Jews celebrate Passover, what do they do? They look back and they celebrate their exodus from Egypt, they had been slaves in Egypt. And Pharaoh had refused to let them go. And so God had spoken warnings through Moses. He had sent plagues. And eventually, because they had all gone unheeded, God promised one final act of judgment. You remember what he said? I will pass through the land of Egypt. And I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood, and that was the blood of a lamb, shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. And on that devastating night, after the screams of the Egyptians had risen to heaven, permission was granted for the Israelites to leave That was their exodus. But in the kingdom of God, we will celebrate an exodus. We will celebrate a deliverance from an enemy far greater than Pharaoh. A deliverance, an exit, both from the power. And the presence of sin and death. Because Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. And as his disciples, we have taken refuge under his blood. Therefore, friend, set your hope fully on the deliverance that will be brought to you when Jesus returns. The best is yet to come. There is a seat with your name on the marriage supper of the Lamb if Jesus' blood is painted over your life. So that yes, today, joy unspeakable and full of glory is ours. And yes, today, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy today. And yes, we can rejoice in the Lord always. But in this fallen world, And in this spiritual war, and in this struggle with sin, our joys are always mingled with sorrows. Don't tell me that's not true in your life. We stream, we have tears of joy streaming from the right eye. And we have tears of grief streaming from the left eye. But it will not always be so. Some of you are here today and you're feeling battered and bruised by the insults your family throw at you because you have faith in Jesus. Others of you you feel as though your, your faith can only limp to heaven. And others of you know what it's like to have your tears become your food. But that's not because you're not saved. That's because you live in the real world. But friend, heaven is on the way. Glory is coming and in the kingdom of God we will turn around and we will watch the parted walls of this fallen creation collapse and God will wipe away every tear from our eyes and death shall be no more and neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things will have passed away and we will celebrate our exodus We will celebrate our deliverance. We will celebrate our exodus, not only from the power of sin and death, but also from the presence of sin and death as well. Because Christ, our Passover lamb, was sacrificed for us. So again, friend, set your hope fully. On the deliverance that will be brought to you when Jesus returns. Don't let the pleasures of this world entangle you. And don't let the hardships of this world bury you. You have an inheritance that's coming. Imperishable. Undefiled. Unfading. Kept in heaven for you. You're destined for glory. And when we have been there 10,000 seconds. Bright shining as the sun. Your hardest day your most bitter trial, your darkest night will be the furthest thing from your mind because there Christ will be all of the glory in his resurrection power, our Passover lamb slain and sacrificed for us. So friend, let your future in heaven put your present on earth into perspective. This light momentary affliction is working for us an eternal weight of glory. You remember me telling you about the man that went to pastor that church. It didn't work out, and so he resigned very, very quickly. Preached his last sermon, walked out to his car, and some of the younger people who loved him followed him. And they said, Pastor, what what are you going to do now? Where where are you going to go? And he said, I'm going to heaven. And they said, Yeah, no, We know that. But what are you going to do now? Where are you going to go now? And he said, I'm going to heaven. Do you get his point? I'm having heaven inform my life on earth. I'm letting my future put my present into perspective. I'm viewing all of my trials on earth in view of the glory to come in heaven. And if you're here today and you're not yet Christian let me ask you this question what hope do you have in the face of death because for us for us as believers for us as Christians we can say what the apostle Paul said in Philippians to live is Christ and to die is gain to die is an exit a deliverance an exodus from our greatest enemies but for you death will mean an entrance into eternal despair you may accumulate wealth in this life you may enjoy health in this life and you may turn your home into a castle of comfort in this life but death will find you and death is nearer to you today than he was when i saw you last And when death finds you, it will mean the loss of everything you have. But friend, there is a better option. Taking refuge underneath the painted blood of Jesus Christ. And having all of God's judgment pass over you. So that on that day, on that night, when you perish and you die and you leave this world, it will only be an exodus, a deliverance an exit to eternal glory, and to die will be gain a deliverance from both the power and the presence of sin and death. So friend, take refuge under the blood of Christ today by trusting in him. Jesus fulfilled the Passover, and in so doing, he accomplished number one, a new exodus, but number two, a new covenant as well. Just look at verse 19 to 20. And he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. And you see that the Passover was about far more than exiting Egypt. It was also about entering into a covenant with God. A covenant just means an agreement between two or more people. And the agreement that Israel entered into with God could really be boiled down to this. Israel would keep God's law and God would bless Israel. In Exodus 24, after God had given the Ten Commandments to Moses, we read... Then he, Moses, took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has spoken we will do and we will be obedient. And Moses took the blood of oxen that was and threw it on the people and said, behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Now in our uh, sanitized, hygienic culture throwing blood on people strikes us as quite odd to say the least I was explaining this to to our girls this past week and I just watched this look of shock horror and disgust (laughs) fall over Ada's face apparently Emmy was okay with it but (laughs) but the blood was was thrown over the people for two reasons number one to emphasize the seriousness of covenant unfaithfulness and number two to teach the people that death would be the payment for sin but despite that gruesome demonstration d- despite that gory ordeal Israel failed to keep her covenant with God they broke the covenant and therefore a new covenant was needed a covenant that could not be broken a, a covenant that would be ratified or established or inaugurated by better bloods and that is just what God's promised. In the Old Testament book of Jeremiah, God said this, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, that I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. And distributed wine. He was saying in effect to his disciples. It's here. The new covenant has arrived. Because I will bear your sins in my body. And I will shed my most precious blood on the cross. That they might all be forgiven. And not only will I forgive your sin. But I will empower your obedience. I will remove the heart of stone and I will put in this place a heart of flesh and I will write my law on your hearts and I will fill you with my spirit and I will cause you to walk in my ways and I will give you a heart to know and to fear and to obey me. And friends, here is a covenant that is open to all. The old covenant was made primarily with one people. But here is a covenant that is open to all people, Jews and non-Jews, Gentiles, as we say. Here is the good news of great joy that is for all the people, as the angels proclaimed. So again, if you're here today and you're not yet a Christian friend, you need to get in on this new covenant. By coming under the blood of Christ and believing in Jesus for yourself. This past week, I, I read about the, the doctor who performed the first heart transplant. His, his patient was a doctor himself. Listen to this. Dr. Bernard went to a cupboard, took down a glass container, and handed it to Dr. Blayberg. Inside that container was Blayberg's old heart. For a moment, he stood there, stunned into silence. The first man in history ever to hold his own heart in his hands. Finally, he spoke and for 10 minutes plied Dr. Barnard with technical questions. Then he turned to take a final look at the contents of the glass container and said, so this is my old heart that caused me so much trouble. And he handed it back turned away and left it forever and again if you're here today and you're not yet a christian i want you to know that it's your soul your old heart that has caused you so much trouble it's your heart that really is the the wellspring of evil thoughts sexual immorality theft murder adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. How can I know? Because that was my old heart before I was given a new one. But your heart can be replaced. And you don't need a crutch in your life. You need a new soul in your life. And that is what Jesus purchased For every new covenant member who would claim his blood to be the atoning sacrifice for his or for her sins. A new heart is what everyone gets when they enter into this new covenant, this new agreement, this new relationship, this new way of relating to God. And to those of you who have received this new heart, to those of you who are believers let me say this, pursue a deeper experience of all that the new covenant affords for you. That in other words, if the, if the obstacle of your sin has been ground to powder and put to one side, and if a new and a living way has been opened up before you, and if you are a man or a woman who is now able to know the Lord and can say, I know the Lord. Then, then walk with him and pursue a, a new, a, a deeper, more profound experience of what it really means to know God in a saving relationship. Where you say, I am his and he is mine. Let us walk with God and draw near to God even as he draws near to us before and as we prepare to meet him in the kingdom of God. So let me close with this. Do you remember how Moses had God speak to him through the burning bush? Moses saw that bush, it was on fire, but it was not consumed. And many people think that what Moses saw there at the burning bush was actually a foretaste of what Moses would see at Sinai because it was there that the whole Mountain was consumed in fire. And yet as the people withdrew. And as the people recoiled in fear. Only Moses was able to to draw near. But for us in Christ we can all draw near. And we can be a people on fire with God. And yet not consumed. Not just Moses. Not just the the prophet, not just the full-time religious professional, but, but all of us, from the greatest to the least, we can all know him. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further message be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order That was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed. So terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering. And to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God. The judge of all and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect and to Jesus. The mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. And may none of us refuse him who is speaking to us but draw near and put our lives under his redeeming blood and know this new exodus and this new covenant for ourselves. Amen. 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 Let me pray for us and we'll stand and we'll worship together.